You there, adventurer? Yes, you. Do you desire knowledge of immense worlds and arcane power? A codex of untold stories and lore? Or perhaps simply easy listening for your daily commute? Then feast your eyes, or more accurately, ears, upon Dungeonpedia. Shit's about to get nerdy in here. everyone, and welcome to Dungeonpedia, an exploration to the lore of Dungeons & Dragons. We're your hosts, Lou and Markel. Taylor Sanfield. And I'm Travis Peasley. Alright, so, I have a very important point of order that we need to discuss before we can talk about whatever the fuck Travis wants to talk about this week. Yes. Our, our, our mascot. Mm-hmm. That Taylor finished coloring the beautiful logo for him. What's their deal? What's their name? Who is this 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 dragon? Oh, I didn't know we were gonna name him. We have to. Uh, like we have to stop the bit. This is too much pressure. <laughs> I so, just so we see, can, we don't have to do it right now. I just want to talk about it. Like I just want to brainstorm a little bit because I feel like we need to have a name for this guy. So see, is is he even a guy? I think is this so. a guy dragon? Okay, this is a guy dragon. That's cool. I'm with it. Here's the thing. I was so distracted by his little blip. A little tongue blip mm-hmm. that I didn't even think of a name. Well, I that's or why we that should... this would be a possibility that we needed to name him. You, I'm glad you guys enjoyed the tongue blip. It's really good. It's a good blip. Like I didn't point it out specifically because I was too focused on just the whole picture of it. Like when you sent me the final thing, mm-hmm. but the tongue blip was t- excuse me. Tongue blip is really good. We don't have to do it right now, but we need to come up with like a name for this guy. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, our listeners might do it for us, and I want to. I just want to. Well, have... they're going to now. Yeah. Well, well oh, people fuck. are already tweeting at us in the first three episodes, so <laughs> we would have. We're all laughing because a piece of 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 foam paneling just started to peel off from the ceiling. So that's something we're going to have to live with for a little while there. We're having a great opener right here. precariously. I mean, it's only foam. It can't do much if it falls. But it's just very but distracting. It, it is It is noted that at some point, we're probably all going to crack up laughing because that shit's going to fall down. Actually fall yep. down all it, the way. It's, 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 gonna, it's dangling right now. It's, it's going to happen. And that is the visual representation of my anxiety levels. But I feel like we need to name our guy. Mm. I mean, I'll get back to you on that. You're right. We do need to like, name I'm him. Sorry, I'm sorry I hit you guys with this unexpectedly, like while we were recording, but I just needed to get it out there. And I felt like we might do our best brainstorming while we're actually recording, but we didn't. So just putting that out there, though, we need to name this guy because I just look at him and I know he has a story and an, an identity and I want to know what it is. We could name him like my grandfather and my mom named their horse, name him Dump Truck after the first thing he t- tried to chase down after he was born. No, I don't want our mascot to be named Dump Truck. I mean, in this case, would he be named, like, Knowledge or something then? Because he's kind of just, like, reading. Huh. It's like it's like a virtue name for a tiefling. Oh man, yeah, I like that. We'll get back to that. Well, 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 well yeah, I'm with I'm with the idea of he has like a virtue name. 
All right. Well, we will uh, try to get him named before the next episode, maybe. Maybe. We'll talk about it. Or we'll it. forget about it. Or we'll just totally forget about it, and someone's like, <laughs> someone's going to tweet us, and his name is going to be something really NSFW. Or my mom's going to be like, yeah, his name is Dump Truck now. I decided. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, no. No Dump Truck. So, on the topic of we're going to forget this, why are we going to forget this? Why are, uh, what do you have to distract us with? To, to uh, blow us away this week. Gnomes. Gnomes! No. My most beloved race in all of D&D. Yeah, how could I have guessed that, uh, you're going, that you were going to cover gnomes? I mean, it should have been known. It, it was. Oh, it should have been gnome. <sighs> I was going to, I actually ran that, like, in my head. I was like, it could be no. I was like, how can I work this in? And then I was like, no, that's stupid. I'm not going to say it. But then you said it for me. Thank you, Travis. You're welcome. Yeah, no, I knew you were going to cover gnomes, just like I know at some point Lou is going to cover elves. Yep, and at some point you're going to cover tieflings. No, you know, before we even get into it, I actually want to thank you for your general, like, enthusiasm of gnomes, because... When, like, before I started playing Pathfinder and I was still, like, making my character, I think Taylor might have mentioned that gnomes were, like, your favorite Dungeons & Dragons race. And, you know, and it's not that I thought gnomes were lame, but it was more just a case of, like, I wonder why. And then I went and looked up stuff about Pathfinder gnomes, and I was like, yeah, gnomes are pretty fucking dope. I'm going to make my character a gnome. See, That's the story of why my character's just, a gnome. It's not just Dungeons & Dragons either, though. <laughs> I love gnomes from any game that has them. Oh. He always plays the tiny. I always plays the tiny. That was. Do you have a World of Warcraft gnome? I have several. That's actually what he named his um his D and D five E gnome after was his World of Warcraft gnome. Yep. Oh, that's beautiful. One of them. How many? Yeah. How many? How many? How many? Just. Oh, he's having to think about it. Oh, he's, no. he's thinking about. It. He's he counting, has his thinking face. He's counting oh. on his fingers. Um, six. Oh. No, to be fair, I think only two or three of them are max level, mm. or were max level uh, before this previous expansion. Okay, yeah, that's that's Out of how many max level characters. That's healthy, like six. Okay, so like about half. half. Yeah, I mean that's it's a healthy amount. I think. I think that's fair. Fine. I mean that's fair. How many uh, elves do you have in all of your uh, any game that lets you play an elf? Do half elves count? Ye- Ye- yes. yes. Let's not talk about it. We'll cover that in her elf episode. We'll yeah. cover that in my we'll, elf we'll episode. We'll shame her in her episode. Exactly. I'm not shaming Travis. I think it's a healthy amount of gnomes. Okay. And they're small, so you can have more of them. Right. So, gnomes. gnomes. I found so much information. I have ten pages of notes, and we're probably not going to get through all of that. Yeah, I'd imagine so. We're probably going to have to trim the fat a little bit. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll try to trim it as we go. But I will cover uh, kind of just like the first appearances... A little bit about, like, what their life is like, you know, outside of an actual player character. Right. And then I think what I'll probably do is just kind of, like, discuss the differences between them and all the additions. Yeah. And also, like... Subraces? Subtypes, maybe. Uh, There are a lot of subraces. I will talk about three of them. Oh, my God. There are 11 subraces. Across... Wait, Across huh. everything, yes. I mean that that sounds about. I actually kind of expected okay. that. Given yeah, that, I, I thought like you're saying like you're like pop open five D and D Beyond right now five e eleven sub races. Uh, no, no D and D Beyond has 
three sub braces? Yeah. No, four sub braces. It, when you have all the content like you do. Yeah, when you have all the content, there are four sub braces that D&D Beyond has. But hmm. starting off, uh, their first appearances, I mean, clearly they did appear in like all versions of D&D. Fourth edition was a little bit different. I'll cover that uh, when we get to it. Yeah, I actually did not know that because I could have seen gnomes as going either way of yeah. whether or not they would have appeared right. in first edition or not. Well, see, that's why in fourth edition they're a little weird because, well, You'll get we'll, to we'll, it. we'll get, get to it. it. Um, <clears throat> they, the original set of Dungeons and Dragons, 1974, they first appeared there. Uh, they also appeared as part of the Blackmore supplement book, which is just like a supplementary rule book, apparently. Like, it's not a campaign setting or anything. It was just, like, a supplementary rule book hmm. that was written by Dave Amison. Uh, it did have a foreword by Gary Gygax in it, but it was written by Dave Someone Amison. Else, yeah. So it's Gary Gygax approved. It's Gary Gygax approved, correct. Uh, the Blackmore was released in 1975. So about a year later. About a year after. Um... They appeared in the 1977 Monster Manual. Okay. I mean, you can fight gnomes. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and the biggest reason is because of the subrace Deep Gnome. Huh. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, I don't... I'm awful. I don't know that much about gnomes, so what are the Deep Gnomes? So the Deep Gnomes are basically the gnomes of the Underdark. Okay, so... Kind of like the drow of the They are the world. drow of the gnome world. I do have a little bit more about them later, but that's why they kind of appeared in the monster, monster manual, manual, because it was like, hey, fight these things because they're... Because if it's... Monstrous? Monstrous in a sense. Because if it's from the Underdark, or if it's coded in a, quote, dark or, quote, deep way, then that means it's definitely bad, 100% irredeemably, the entire race. Good job. Did you not listen to my wolf episode? You were there. I was just listening to the parts where you talked about her boobs. (laughs) Okay. Damn. Uh, They did finally appear as a player character race in the player's handbook that was released in 78. So up until then, they were mostly just non-player characters. Like NPCs, enemies... Now, I think Blackmore, I didn't look too much into Blackmore, but they might have actually had some rules for playing one, Mm -hmm. but they were more looked into player character races in 1978. Mm, Sort of like how you can hypothetically play like a bugbear or something, but it's not like the main... It's not the main thing. They're more of a world expander rather than... A core. A core, like, element of the world. Okay. That was humans, elves, Elves, dwarves. dwarves... Half-orcs. Orcs, orcs half-orcs, half-elves. Gnomes were kind of left... On the wayside. Yeah. Which made me a little sad. That is kind of sad. But, so they were eventually included as a playable character in first edition still? Uh, yes, they were still a playable character in first edition. Okay. Uh, the Deep Gnomes were actually the first sub-race that came out of everything. Officially, I guess I should say. Uh, they were published in the Advanced Dungeons & Dragons supplement called Unearthed Arcana in 1985 is when, like, oh. that whole subrace was expanded on. Instead of more than just something to fight. Right. Yeah. And this was written by Gary Gygax. Woohoo! 
So, again, Gary throws out these lovely things that everyone loves. I feel like there just needs to be, like, some sort of cheering in the background every time one of us says Gary Gygax. Right? Just get a little cheer. Yeah, I'm going to edit that in. (laughs) Yeah. Are you? Probably not. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, There was yet another Subrace released in 1987 in the Dragonlance Adventures, which was a campaign setting and also... If I recall correctly, the Dragonlance was actually a series of novels that I, were written from this campaign setting that mm-hmm. the writers actually played in. I read like two of them as a child, but I huh. I don't actually remember anything about them. I just I see them at half price books sometimes, and I was like, oh, I read that one time. Don't remember anything about it. Not gonna buy it, but I did. I told you we needed to go to half price <gasps> books. We are probably gonna go to half price books today. Okay. Can I go to Half Price Books with you guys? <laughs> I mean, sure. Yeah, we'll have not? to figure out when they open and then go. But yeah. Hey, hey. continuing. So, uh, this sub race in the Dragonlance were the Tinker Gnomes. Tinker Gnomes, so cute. They That's are very cute, cute and deadly to themselves. Oh no! Oh no! Uh, I'm, I'm familiar with gnomes who are deadly to themselves. I will oh. go over them a little bit later as well. They were one of the sub races I chose to. Expand upon. Um, that doesn't surprise me. They were the gnomes were more or less made to be the magical class as a counterpart to like the dwarves who were more warrior esque, mm-hmm. right? And also the counterpart to the more rogue, sneaky halflings, or okay, as see? they were referred to in the very first edition, hobbits. Uh, and. If I recall correctly, they changed that for copyright reasons. They did. <laughs> it's okay. We're not trying to claim that as ours. That's just information I am giving out. We're fine. Don't sue us, please. Fair please. use. We ha- fair use. Fair use. Creative Commons. We have no money. <laughs> we have no money. So they had like one rate, one little race for each of the like common class types. Yeah. So. In the early editions of D&D, uh, they were very strict as to what, like, races could be. Oh, yeah? And on top of that, what levels they could Lame. reach for that particular class. Name. It, it was pretty ridiculous. I have a little bit about that, and that could probably also be a future episode. Lame. So we'll look into that a little bit later. But so gnomes were created as more of the magical illusionist yes. class. Yeah. They were more focused on magic and illusion. That's I, what they were supposed to be for. I don't think I've ever used an illusion spell. I'm a terrible gnome spellcaster. You are. How dare you? Um, so there's a book that I found, and I read through this Quite a bit, and still didn't get through all of it, called The Complete Book of Gnomes and Halflings. Oh my god. Dang. And in this is where I got a lot of the information about, like, their society and stuff like that. They also released two more sub-races into, or not into, from this book. Mm-hmm. The Forest and the Rock Gnomes. Ah, yes. Sweet. So, later on, I'm just going to cover this real quick, the gnomes did kind of change from the spellcasters to where their favorite class would be changed into a bard. Hmm. 
This was in 3.5. Damn. So from the original first, second, third, and then to 3.5, they were illusionist spellcasters. Or if they weren't illusionists, they had the illusionist as their favorite class. So they could be something else, but they would still have them... That illusion as their favorite class. Yeah. So about 3.5, they changed to the Bard. And this is because the illusionist favorite class was changed to a subset for wizards. Okay. So wizards had a subset favorite class in the illusion school, so they kind of shifted the gnomes over. Right, so, yeah. And there's also a little bit more weird things that happened to the gnomes after 3.5 and 4th edition. Like I said, they changed quite a bit. It's kind of ridiculous. So the 11 subraces that I could find for gnomes and didn't look too much into all of them. There's the rock, tinker, deep, forest, river, arcane, chaos, whisper, ice, fire, and sky gnomes. (gasps) Flying gnomes, flying gnomes. Uh, most of the subraces has a particular gem for their symbol because gnomes are attracted very much to gems and shiny things. Uh-huh. So a lot of them like kind of worship in a sense. They're these gems, like gems like they're seen as like sacred. Yeah, which that, that was kind of cool. Yeah, that is actually really that's, cool. That's a tr- that's very cool. That's a trait I have gnomes I didn't know about. I honestly didn't either. I, I didn't knew either. that they liked to tinker and all this, but I didn't know they were like that attracted to gems. And I think that that largely like gemstones and and things like that, I find them to be more commonly associated with dwarves. Yeah, like I, you think about dwarves and then you think picture like miners. mining, precious metals. So here's the thing: gnomes are actually originally made for to be kind of like cousins of dwarves. Really. So they have this innate mining background background where they actually came from underground. Okay, kind of like dwarves usually in yeah. a lot of lore. Exactly. So their creation myth. Unlike most of the other races, gnomes don't actually hold to a particular creation myth. Okay. They kind of view the world and their place in it As a constant within the flow of time. So basically, they kind of just always were. And only small, insignificant changes have ever happened. Okay. That's pretty bold um, creation myth for... Like, it's totally different from a lot of other races, like you said. Personally, I think they're into evolution, because gnomes seem to be very more, like, scientifically minded. They probably believe in evolution. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm joking, but... They they probably do. You're probably, like, right. They probably, like, believe in, like, the medieval understanding of evolution. And and plus, I think that they're they're kind of, like you said, like, kinship with dwarves a little bit. Like, I feel like the association with gnomes and, like, tinkering and technology is kind of the the logical next step from, like, mining and smithy and things like that. That makes sense to me. So, if you were to, like... Ask them what the big picture looked like for them as, like, the big picture of the universe. They kind of just assume that things stay the same as it always will. Like, good and evil, chaos, law, they're always in equilibrium of each other, they're always just there. Some things are set in stone. Yeah, they don't see it as, like, anything changing drastically. So gnomes are chill as fuck. 
pretty much. Almost like they're druids. Hmm. Except they're not. No. They're bards yeah. and spell and illusionist spellcasters. I was gonna say, you almost said spellcasters. Druids are spellcasters. Well, I I, I, I was going to probably say, like, illusionists in a more clunky way, but then that, I was fair. like, I can just say illusionists. Now, that being said, they do have a uniformed god that leads the gnomish pantheon. Okay, I was about to say, are they uh, monotheistic? Uh, no. They okay. do have a gnome pantheon. I didn't actually gather the list of all of them because I knew I had to cut this shorter than <laughs> I was getting at. And the next five episodes, Travis talks about various gnome deities. So maybe that later. But their main one mm-hmm. is called Garl Glittergold. The big one, if you will. I love that name. Uh, Garl Glittergold was said to have found the first gnomes while exploring a cavern. This was, like, right during, I guess, the creation of everything. Okay. Uh, you know how he got them to follow him into the world when he found them? Shiny things. No. He told them a joke. Oh, Oh, that's excellent. I, there was nothing mentioning of what the joke was. I tried. Oh I couldn't God. find it. If someone else finds it, please tweet it to me because I want to know so bad. It was that really bad joke you made at the beginning of this episode that Taylor booed and that I almost made. It was that. So am I Garl Glittergold? Oh, fuck. I mean, he's, you are our DM, so. He's been given the powers of a god. Yes. Fuck. So what you're telling me is that the the lead gnome god is a dad. And makes dad jokes. Pretty much. So, Basically, he told them a joke and then said, hey, follow me. Instead of being in this cavern, I want to show you this world that has, like, just been created. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's how my dad raised me. So was this, was this, um, that's what the obstetrician says. Um, so was this, was this guy, like... An, 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 a gnome? Or was he just a vague humanoid that they he, ended up worshipping? Yeah, he was more or less... I mean, I think he was actually of, like, gnome stature, but... Yeah. At the same time, he was kind of written as just... Generic. Generic god. Dude. He could have just been, like, god energy, and then once he found the gnomes and took them in, then he took he the He might have, like, yeah. took their form. Um, he is the deity of luck, protection, and trickery. For the gnome pantheon. Oh my god. That's such a thing for like the big Zushin figure. Zushin? That's not a word, but it is a word now. I just it made is, it up. Well, I mean, we have talked about a couple of Zushin figures. figures. Yeah, that that would be the kind of like domains that the the main gnome god would be under though. Or would have under him rather. Thank you, Lewin, for the word Zushin. Zushin. <laughs> so do you know how they believe that to or how they can maintain the balance of everything? How they believe there is only one way to achieve and maintain this balance, and that is that everyone must admit to knowing that there is evil inside everybody. Huh? So they admit that they have evil inside of them. They know that, so that allows them to fight it and keep the balance of everything else. That's a good philosophy. More people in the real world should learn to adhere to that. I'm into it. How do I convert? How do I become... How do I gnome? How do I gnome? gnome? How do I gnome, Travis? Tell me how to gnome. Am I short enough to gnome? Um, You are, yes. She made the joke, not me. You're not that short. Don't look at me like that. You're not that short. 
I was actually curious about gnome stature while while you're at it. Uh, gnome stature it actually varies, cool. yeah, depending on what edition you're in. Don't tell me you have that. Actually, have that in your notes. I thought I was going to catch you off guard. No, I have that in my notes. Okay. Of course, he has that in his notes. I have the height of all of them in like whatever editions they're in. Oh my god. Uh, we'll get to that though. Okay. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. So some of the uh, cooler things is. Unlike the dwarves, they are comfortable with, like, living above ground in the woods. They don't have to live in the mountains. Okay. Uh, Do you know what the most important cosmic symbol of the gnomes is? Well, I would have guessed a gem, but probably not now. It's not. This is a cosmic symbol. Uh, Okay. Is it... Like a spacey cosmic thing. The moon? The sun? Could be. The stars? Stars? No. A star? It could involve the sun and the moon because it is an eclipse. Oh, oh that's so cool. Oh, I thought I lo- I thought I already love gnomes, but this is just So uh gnomes are known for partying a lot. <laughs> yes. Nice. Yes. That that wasn't that was a known from me. That is a known gnome thing. Oh fuck. I opened I opened up the way for that one again, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. I, I'm glaring at Lewin right now. I, I didn't actually mean to. Travis was the one that took it, though. You should be glaring at him. Mm. Now, one of the biggest parties that they will ever throw and are known to throw is for the lunar eclipse. Hmm. So, in this particular occasion, they take all their work, all their chores, and say, fuck that, and throw them aside. Nice. And for the next month. Oh, wow. They do nothing but party. Nice. They will gather from all reaches of the world and spend all their nights drinking and laughing and singing and... Drinking and drinking and, and drinking. drinking some more. Drinking and how drinking. Many, how many people die during this this festival? Uh, I do not have stats for that, but probably a lot. It's like the Mardi Gras of gnomes. Kind of, yeah. Actually. Nice. So, eclipses are their, like, month-long Mardi Gras favorite thing ever. But prior to that, their work ethic is just that of their party ethic. They generally will take whatever job they they have. They take it with good humor. They don't, like, stress about their jobs or anything. And they will work as hard as they can during the day, and then as soon as it's time to clock out, it's party time. And they do that virtually every time. I love gnomes. So, as a possible spoiler for uh, anybody that might be watching Critical Role... I was about to... What I'm about to say is a spoiler if you haven't gotten to this certain point in the second campaign. So, skip ahead just probably five-ish minutes. Maybe not quite that much. I believe it's around the the zone of, like, episodes 22 to, like, 25. Because I just finished watching this part of Critical Role myself. I think it's in that that range so yeah so skip ahead just a couple minutes but in their newest campaign they go to a gnome town and that is basically what happens is they they get there when it's when all the gnomes are working and as soon as nightfall nightfall happens it is just nothing but a party in this town of gnomes nice and that's exactly what happened this is all coming from the uh complete book of gnomes and halflings Mm mm-hmm so, and this was kind of for, like, Advanced Dungeons & Dragons 2nd Edition. 
Yeah, so that that was released a while ago. Yeah, so, so this is very early on in. But it seems like since that was included as as a as a part of Gnome Society, you know, in this very modern like web series, it seems like that's been a maintain. Yeah, like, most of that has not changed. That they're very like a work hard, play hard kind of people. Not to say that Matt doesn't look. For like older inspiration, true. That's he, true. He that's, does. That's a good I, point. I have found several cases where he has pulled from like the older stuff and thrown it into his new campaign. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, generally, you can imagine fighting as a gnome is kind of difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It's very hard. Um, so they have a few tactics that they like to employ when they fight. Okay. <gasps> Gorilla knows. Uh Generally, they will try to fight in areas of overgrowth, low ceilings, tight corridors, pretty much anywhere that these larger creatures will Are have issues moving and attacking. Gorilla gnomes, gorilla gnomes. So literally gorilla warfare. Exactly. Gorilla they are especially adept over time at fighting giant class creatures. Yes. That makes sense. I I found that out the other day, and that is a class feature. I don't think we fought like that. I have been in a situation where gnome bonuses against giant creatures would actually help me, but that was also a class feature I have not been taking into account of because I forgot. Well, keep that in mind for future reference. I don't like that. I we I do have three giant minis now. Yeah. Oh no. So, and I um, bought you one of them. Mm-hmm. Oh no. So, uh, in their towns and their own homes, they usually set up a system of very small tunnels that are just large enough for them to fit through. So, if their home or their town gets attacked, they literally just all get into these tunnels and flee, and the larger creatures can't follow them. Prairie gnomes. <laughs> that that, prairie that does gnomes. remind me of prairie dogs. I'm just imagining like a little a little like kid gnome like poking their head up out of their little hole, Ma. like a Ma. prairie dog. Ma. Ma. Help. <laughs> so, uh, that's kind of so just like... <laughs> Ma! Ma! <laughs> Nixus is reading her goddamn hell books again! Ma! <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Did we just go to, like, Little House on the Prairie gnome style? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Ma! <laughs> All right. I Ma, mean... she's speaking in tongues again! Come here! <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, God. Uh, so that's kind of about what I have for just like their general society thing. Again, I don't want to go too deep into all that because we're about 30 minutes through the episode already. Next, next week. And is, there's just so much more that I could talk about. Next, next week is the, the, just the social structure of, of Gnome. <laughs> yeah. Forget any, um, any the, research you've been working on. Travis is taking over this. <laughs> the next three months is just, just Travis talking about Gnome. Gnomes. Nothing but Gnomes. So the next step would be us going into each edition, what like their racial traits were and like that if you're going to be creating one. Before we go into the different editions and the racial traits and all that, we will take our ad break and take care of this ceiling foam situation that we have. Yeah. So we'll be back. The ceiling situation. Hello, everybody. Taking a small break from the gnomes. Well, I tried. Anyway, just wanted to uh, pop in and say thank you for listening. We greatly appreciate it. Do remember to follow us on our Twitter where we try to keep up with tweets and try to release some teasers up 
leading up to the release of our next episode, so it's always fun to try to figure that out, provided that we don't make it too obvious, which I feel like I've probably done a few times. And it doesn't really matter. Um, we do have a Tumblr at dungeonpedia.tumblr.com. There we post updates when we publish new episodes, but also there are transcripts that you can find there that will be uploaded alongside, or shortly thereafter, rather, the episodes are released. You can email us at dungeonpedia.podcast at gmail.com. That is the best way to get in contact with us, especially if you have more of a long-form question, comment, or even a suggestion. A suggestion. I would advise sending it there because we can keep the emails forever. Um, remember to rate and subscribe to us on whatever platform you listen to us on. Um, a review would be really helpful. Reviews are very helpful. Like lifeblood. They are. They, they'll bump us up on the list and topic of like a suggestion for people if we got good reviews. Yeah, or for things that, you know, you like about the about the show, things that we could improve on. Whatever platform you listen to us on, those would be greatly appreciated. Reviews are second only to word of mouth. Please tell your friends, tell anybody about the show. If you enjoy it, if you think that someone you know would enjoy it, send them a link. Tell them, hey, listen to this. I think that there's something really cool about this topic. And uh, thank you to Alexander Nakarada for our theme song, which is called Blacksmith. We do love that song. It, it was perfect. It really was. Just love at first sight. Listen. Sound. The sound. sound. Sight and listen? I mean, I did see it and say, ooh, Blacksmith, what's this? And hit play. True. All right. Well, thank you for listening to our short little break here. And in just a little bit, we'll get back to the podcast. I hate you both. All righty. So... Now, we're going to get into just the, if you're going to build a gnome character in all the different editions. The one thing I will say is I don't have anything for the original Dungeons and Dragons or for the third edition because I just, I'm limited to what you can find, what I can find. And I couldn't find any like PDFs or any information about that. But I do have 3.5 and the Advanced Dungeons and Dragons first edition. Okay. So we're just gonna have to go through that. I'm sorry, I failed on getting that information. Maybe I'll get that later. You failure. I know. No, so don't feel bad. Creating just a gnome for Advanced Dungeons and Dragons first edition. Uh, they take a negative one to strength and a plus one to Constitution. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are limited to the following classes and max levels of these classes. All right. Lame. Lame. The first edition limited you to classes. Correct. So gnomes are limited to a fighter, illusionist, and thief or assassin. Okay. For the fighter class, you can only have a max of sixth level. Hmm. For the illusionist class, you can have a max of seventh level. And then for thief or assassin, whichever way you wanted to go there, you would have a max of eighth level. Hmm. Uh, multiclassing was a thing in the first editions. I didn't look into how exactly multiclassing works in those editions because too mean, much information. It's right. hard enough to figure <clears throat> out how multiclassing works in 5e. Exactly. Infor- information for a later episode. Correct. Um, so Actually, no, I don't ever want to talk about multiclassing because <laughs> that would be confusing. I'll like. try to talk about that then. That'll be a thing that I can try to do. Okay. Thanks, Travis. Or I guess Taylor could try it if Maybe. she wants to attempt it. I don't. I don't. So, so this is a little bit interesting to me. They gain a plus one for 
every three and a half points that they have in Constitution to saving throws against magic wands, staves, rods, and spells. Hmm. That's interesting. So every three and a half points, I don't know why they had to do that, because that would be like... I don't even know. I guess that would be for your third and then seventh because of the two halves at that point. I yeah. Don't, yeah. I'm I'm honestly not sure. That was just a little strange to me. Yeah. Not entirely certain how that works, but I'm sure it did. Oh, it worked somehow. Uh, they did have back in the earlier editions, the infravision and the infrared. Oh. Or that is what... Infravision is it allows you to see into the infrared spectrum, and you Aww. didn't even have to gouge out your own eye and stick Vecna's eyeball. <laughs> Correct. There. Gnomes just had that right off the bat. Lucky bastards. Uh, they could see up to sixty feet in the dark with it, and they could actually note varying like heat radiation. Hmm. So they can like they can see the heat in the infrared spectrum. I guess snake people. Sneeple. No. Sneeple. Sneeple. Gnomes are Sneeple. Wake up. We are back to the outdated memes. Wake up, Sneeple. So, gnomes have two common enemies, and this is for pretty much all editions. I don't think it's necessarily Mm -hmm. mentioned in 5th edition, but they are kobolds and goblins. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. Oh yeah, that that does explain uh yeah, a lot about gnomes and goblins. I like yep. I knew but I didn't like think about it. That explains They are like natural predators to each other, why I guess. That one fight that we had I didn't really want to get involved in. Yeah, yeah. And I'm very glad that your character talked all the gnomes or gnomes, excuse me, goblins down <laughs> because I was like, "Oh shit." <laughs> Racial bonuses. Oh no. So, in Advanced Dungeons and Dragons first edition, Gnomes get a plus one to hit against the kobolds and goblins with melee attacks. Hmm. If they are being attacked by gnolls, bugbears, ogres, trolls, ogre magi, giants, or titans, pretty much anything of, like, the giant right. class, mm-hmm. uh, they subtract four from the enemies to hit roll. Yep, they sure do. Because they're little. Yeah, um, that they, makes sense. They have the ability to detect the grade or slope in a certain passage, whether it's like up or down. They can detect if walls are unsafe or floors, if they're like unsafe to traverse. With a one through eight, interesting fact, in this edition, rolling percentage was done on D10s. Hmm. So if you roll, basically it's a one through an eight, you would succeed. If you rolled a nine or a ten, you would fail. Okay, so everything's like a in done in tens, basically. Pretty like much. A, uh, yeah. Zero, ten, twenty. Yeah. Pretty yeah. much. The, the percentiles were done just by straight D tens, not the mixture of Right, so yeah, that makes sense. Or underappreciated D one hundred. Exactly. I love you, little guy. I love you. Uh they can determine the approximate depth while they're underground. Hmm. That that makes sense. Given their their heritage. Right. Yeah. Um, the, something I actually forgot to cover a little earlier, rock gnomes are like the general gnomes that you see most often. They're considered rock gnomes. Okay. So those are like the generalized gnomes that most people would see. 
So, okay, kind of like if you think of an elf, you think of a high elf usually. Right. Rock gnomes are like the, the base generic, generic gnomes. Uh, they can determine what direction of travel they are going while they're underground. Hmm. And like I said, they're all based on like percentage rolls of a d10. So for that, you would roll it. And if you got a one through a six, you would know. Mm-hmm. Right. So on and so forth. So that's some of the interesting facts for that one. Uh, rock gnomes in Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, second edition. These particular things, uh, they average about three and a half feet in height. So there's yeah. information on that. That's the same for uh, first edition. There wasn't much variation there. So I am not short enough to be a gnome. Got it. Correct. Thank God. <laughs> um, let's see. Their skin. Thank Gilgar. <laughs> was that how you said his name? Gilgar? Uh, let me scroll Gil- back up to it. Glitter, glitter gold. Garl. Garl. It's Garl Glitter Gold. I remember his last Thank name because. Garl. Thank Garl. Thank Garl. They don't actively avoid sunlight. But when they are in sun, they do not get sunburned. Huh. Like, rock gnomes do not have the ability to get sunburned, apparently. That's kind of cool. That would be nice to have. <laughs> yeah, no Actually. kidding. Right? Uh, the diamond is the gem symbol for rock gnomes. Okay. Yeah, I see that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, their lifespan is about four centuries, but... Uh, there is a rare occurrence of like a matriarch or a patriarch that can live to be around 600 or older. Okay. Dope. So it's like <clears throat> your uh, great grandma living to be like 105. Yeah. Yeah. 10. Yeah. If she lived to be that long, that would be a rare thing, but it does happen. Their adulthood generally around their 100th birthday. Oh, that's interesting. Hmm. That's kind of when they get to be adults and they kind of go out on their own to... They stop treating you like a child and... Pretty yeah. much. Um, their ability score adjustments for the rock gnomes are plus one to intelligence and they take a negative two to their wisdom. Hmm. Interesting. They kind of have the same... They have the same thing every three and a half points in constitution. They gain a plus one to their saving throws against spells. Mm-hmm. This one specifically just says spells. So they took away the staves, the wands. So just any sort of spell. It's just spells at this point. Hmm. So basically magical resistance. Right. Uh, They take a bonus to attack goblins and kobolds of a plus one. And this is where it gets weird. Instead of subtracting the hit roll on like giant class enemies, they take a negative four to their AC when they're attacked by them. Huh. This is where the weirdest thing comes in for Advanced Dungeons & Dragons 2nd Edition, because the lower your AC was, the better it was. That's bizarre compared to almost every single edition of Dungeons & Dragons. Correct. Yeah. Pretty much any tabletop game. Like, I don't even begin to understand, like, how I would, like, how that works. I, I honestly tried... I couldn't understand it. I'll have to look more into that because I just don't understand. Maybe someone's a bit more familiar with second edition and can explain things to right. us. Right. Uh, we actually work with someone that is. I'll have to talk to him. He can explain it a little bit more. Okay. Yeah. It's like, if, I mean, if, if, for what we know, though, it's like golf. You want your score to be lower. Right. Right. So, like, Lewin, in Nixus's case, if you were playing a gnome, you would want your AC to be as low as possible. So, so if your AC was at four. So basically what I'm doing right now is good because my <laughs> yes. AC is really low. Yes, compared to everyone else. If your AC was four and you were attacked by a giant, your AC you know, would be zero. With the way you're, with the way you roll, it feels like my AC is four. 
Travis. So uh, behind that, the behind that DM screen of hey, yours. Hey, 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 hey. So it's a zero. Don't eight- get short with me. Oh come on! <laughs> oh, that was really that was good. I I, I can't You're quite better than it, that. No, he's I'm, not. I am. I am so not better than that. <laughs> um. Anyway, what were so you saying? uh, with an AC of zero, does that make you basically impossible to hit? Not impossible because your AC is actually better if you get into the negatives. Okay, that you can have like a negative ten AC, and that would be equal to I don't even know, like thirty AC in fifth edition. No shade to uh, whoever devised that, but um, what the fuck? Why? Why? Why though? I don't even know. Cause and see, the thing with Advanced Dungeons and Dragons is this was supposed to be a simplified rule set to the original. It was a ploy to get American <laughs> youth to do math. <laughs> uh, let's. Oh God! Not yeah, get into right. That. So <laughs> I didn't mean to get into conspiracies there. It was a joke, and then I was like, oh no. So uh, just going to glance off of that one. I do have some information about the Deep Gnomes for Yay! Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, yes. Uh, let's see. So the Goth Gnomes. Despite what... Yes, the Goth Gnomes. Despite what you would immediately think because they are denizens of the Underdark, they are not actually evil. Okay, good. Are they more, like, neutral or chaotic? They're kind of more neutral and... Just because of the fact that they live in the Underdark, they have to do what they have to to survive. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, their gem symbol is a ruby. I like it. Nice. Good gem. Good and gem. while they have the ability to, like, they could just get out of the Underdark, they stay there because they are drawn to the gemstones more so than their other counterparts, like the Because they gnomes. live among them. Exactly. Uh, they generally have very, like, slender faces. Okay. They have virtually hairless bodies, whereas the other ones have, like, full beards and like, everything. Like body hair, like you would imagine a human. Because the right. ground is warmer the deeper you get. Yeah. I think it's colder the deeper you get. Well, and... I think, it, I think it's warmer, like, towards the surface, and then you hit a point, and then it starts getting warmer again the deeper you get, because you get closer to the core. Mm, maybe. Probably. And also pressure... Which I guess pressure would also explain why they're, like, leaner. Right. And when I say hairless bodies, I mean they literally don't have hair on their head either. Oh, so they're, like, completely bald. They're they're bald. They have, like, no facial hair. Females are the exception, whereas they have hair. But it's very, like, thin and stringy hair. Don't be a coward. Make them bald. Yeah. Well, I would. I feel like this is probably just completely, you know, introspective on my point. But I feel like if if you would have like a hair texture like that, and it would not be like a big thing that you you needed to have. I feel like a lot of female deep gnomes would probably end up just shaving their heads. Probably. Anyway. They like, generally wore it no longer than shoulder length. Actually. Because okay. it's like because at that point it's very vestigial. So right, and it, even more so than hair is for humans. So here's the here's the uh, major difference with them, other than the fact that they're in the Underdark. Their lifespan is only about 250 years. Really? Uh, mostly because they generally get killed long before that, since they're in the Underdark. So it's more like a they could live longer, but yeah. they just tend to breach the ripe old age of middle age. Their adulthood is around 50. Okay, so that's like Pathfinder gnomes. Okay. Yeah, their adulthood is about 50, but most of them end up dying before they reach 200. Okay. That's more of a circumstance of, like, their environment as opposed to physiology. Right. 
as you would imagine, their skin is mostly like this dark gray, some variant shades of gray. Apparently there were reports of like almost black skin. So similar to Drow. Similar to Drow. Oddly enough, their blacksmiths possess incredible skills. I guess it wouldn't be odd if you think about the fact that they had to get good at it to... Get good. Yes. To help fight off everything else that's in the Underdark. Mm -hmm. But their weapons and tools match the quality of, like, Dorvin and Drow craftsmanship. Like, the higher-end levels. Really? That that makes sense to me. Of Dorvin craftsmanship. Because of where they live, their ability score adjustments are a little... uh, Not separate. Different. Yes. Also separate. They gain a plus one to wisdom... And a plus one to dexterity. They take a negative one to intelligence and a negative two to their charisma. Mm, yeah. Because they're under dark, they're not charismatic at all. Right. Uh, they have a base magic resistance of 20%, and they gain an extra 5% for every level past third. Mm-hmm. So if you make one and you can get past level three, your magic resistance goes up significantly every time after that. That's pretty cool. So... And here's where they're limited. As a player character, they can only be males. That is so lame. The reasoning behind this is because females of this particular race have never been known to take up adventuring careers. That that actually is is, is an even worse attempt at justifying it instead of just saying like, oh, it was the 70s, man. I don't know. Or is that the 80s at that point? Uh, I believe Advanced D&D was into the 80s. Early 80s, yeah. Because there's a, like, being able to, like, look back and be like, you know, you you can think of it as, like, a consequence of, like, the time. But the fact that they're specifically like, oh, yeah, they're women, just don't go on adventures is like. Okay, so what do you want the women to do? Sit at home and raise babies? Barefoot and pregnant in the underdark. In the underdark. (laughs) Ugh. Um, they gain a plus two to saving throws against poison Ooh. and a plus three to all other saves. Dang. <laughs> uh, they are not illusionists. Well, they are, but those who are not illusionists still retain the ability to summon an earth elemental once per day. Oh, man. That's badass. That's so pretty cool. Yeah. They, even though if they're not illusionists, they can still be like, all right, once a day, we're in a fight. Elemental. Yeah. And earth gets- elemental gets... Summoned. Are Earth Elementals just like made of ground? I like think soil. So because I'm imagining ground and rock. Well, because I'm imagining that maybe like a rock or um, pardon me, a deep gnome could like summon one, and it would be made of like rubies. Ooh, not for for the visual, for the aesthetic, not for yeah, not it doesn't any give, like, like bonuses. A bonus. It just might look that. way. I do like the idea. That is a pretty cool idea. Or like it though. has ruby eyes <clears throat> or something. Earth Elementals, like variation in appearance in Elementals, right? Um, they gain infravision of 12 feet, and they can actually have ultravision, but that is only up to 3 feet. Okay. Ultravision, um, we found out, was seeing on the ultraviolet. Yes. yes. Okay. So they can pretty much see in every spectrum up to a, a certain, certain distance. distance. Yeah. Uh, when they're in bright light, all their vision gets down to 3 feet. Ooh. Like, they can only see 3 feet from no matter what vision they have. They take a negative one to hit when fighting in bright light. Now, here's the interesting part, is they can surprise others on a 9 in 10 chance. So basically, 1 through 9, you can surprise someone. Only if you roll a 10, do you fail. Huh. 
And their chance to be surprised is significantly less. It's a 1 in 12 chance. Huh. Because they're so used to being attacked in the Underdark that they've gotten so good at perceptive of everything. They're so tiny. (laughs) Also, yes. You keep going back and forth between, like, different things that I'm just thinking, like, that could be really broken. And then you get into something that's like... That is really terrible and debilitating. And then back to, wow, that could be really broken. It's almost like it's balanced, but both ways. Oh, it's okay. Except there's something else that's going to break that. Uh, They only, they have a maximum of what they can reach to each ability score. Oh, yeah. Strength, constitution, and wisdom, they can only get up to an 18. Yikes. Dexterity, 19. Intelligence, 17. And charisma, they can only get up to a 16. Oh, so you cannot play They will hardly ever one. be charismatic. Yeah, just never. Unless you just have really shitty rolls, but even then, eventually all your other stats are going to catch up. Yeah. And then we get to the Tinker Gnomes of Advanced D&D 2nd Edition. I can tell. I can tell from the way you're getting excited and the way you say different. I'm assuming last. It's last for the 2nd Edition. Yeah. Uh, this might be your favorite. Uh, I do like them. They are known as the most innovative creatures to the known world. The known world or the gnome world? I literally couldn't tell what you just said. Known. As in K-N-O-W-N. To the known world. I literally couldn't. But also probably to the gnome world. I mean, both. So, what would you guys think these Tinker Gnomes gem symbol would be? Yes. Um, well... I so we had we had the diamond for the rock gnomes. We had ruby for the uh, deep gnomes. Deep gnomes. Um, keeping with the gems, citrine. I, I guess would a citrine. Go obsidian, but I have I have a feeling. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to voice it. No, go ahead, voice your feeling. Is it a gear? It is not a gear, but it's also not an actual gem. What is it? It is coal. Oh, That's that makes good. sense. Because they use coal for steam, power, and oh, that's everything else they can think of. So here's why I mentioned earlier that they actually have a little bit shorter of a lifespan than their counterparts. Uh-oh. While their inventions are very innovative, they are also very deadly because they don't always work the way they're supposed to. Oh. A lot of the times... Their inventions will backfire on them, and if your own invention doesn't kill you, your neighbors probably will. (laughs) (laughs) So again, more of a a, a sociological than physiological uh, issue. Um, That being said, they can still live to be 250 to 300 years old, but most of them don't ever reach that age because their inventions kill them. Probably the ones who live outside of gnomish communities <laughs> like a- adventure yeah. well but then adventures get killed by other stuff their adulthood is like 40 oh 40 to 50 pathfinder gnomes yeah yeah well um, not saying that they are but that's like pathfinder now when they reach adulthood and even from an early age they are like in- inspired and pretty much directed to create create things and take things apart and figure out how they work when they reach adulthood, they are forced into choosing a guild to go into. Mm-hmm. Like, the guild can literally be pretty much any aspect you can think of. There are guilds for virtually everything, like war guilds and blacksmith guilds and even stuff that wouldn't make sense, like monster creating. 
Yeah. Huh. It's kind of like just turning 18 and being like, okay, what do you want to do with your life? Go. Yeah. Do it now. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, they also are only limited to a max of certain things on their ability scores, but theirs is not near as limited as the uh, Deep Gnomes. The deep, yeah. Right. Their wisdom can only be a maximum of 12. <laughs> yeah, that's about right. That sounds, that sounds that's right. That's about right. All the gnomes but I know. everything else is allowed to go up to 18. Okay. Well. So, they're not very wise because they kill themselves with their own inventions, but... They, they're they, smart. They're, they can be smart, book smart. They, and They spend too much time asking the question of if they can, that they'd never ask the question of if they should. Exactly. They the ignore flaw. that altogether. The fatal flaw of the Tinker Gnomes. They gain a plus two to dexterity and a negative two to their strength and wisdom. <laughs> so even if you, like, rolled good enough to get your wisdom to max... Right it's still bat, not great. It's still gonna be it's, bad. It's still not great. They do still possess the infravision. Uh, they have the same basic magic resistance as rock gnomes do. That's just probably baseline gnomes. Yeah. Gnome stuff. And they have the same negative four to their AC when they're attacked by giants. Okay. There's not much difference anything past that. Most of it is... Right. I mean, as you would expect with sub races. Right. Most of it... Most of the differences just comes from how they live their life, more or less. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So now we get into the 3.5 edition. Uh, these gnomes in particular, they just love animals. They love gems. They love jokes. Mm-hmm. They're the humorous type gnomes. They're the laughter, better ones. Right, kind of mm-hmm. what you picture, like giggling gnome running around. Exactly. Uh, they relish in playing tricks and practical jokes on everyone. Uh, they do still love gems. They are very skilled engineers. They're better than their counterparts in AD&D 2nd Edition. They don't kill themselves with their inventions near as much. That's good. (laughs) That's much better. Uh, These are generally three to three and a half feet tall, and their weight gets to a maximum of 45 pounds. 40 to 45 pounds, roughly. Uh, Their adulthood is still around 40. Their common lifespan is 300. But there are still the ones that will live to be... Four, five, right. six hundred on the rare occasions. So they've kept the lifespan and everything roughly the same through these editions so far. Right. So it, Minus the deep gnomes. and There's some variation, but it's like their cousins, not their completely separate races. Right. Uh, they do still tend to live in like these hilly, wooded areas, but they don't build in plain view. They prefer to build underground. Sticking with their old ancestors' ways. Really? But in order to make it harder to find, they hide their towns and houses using illusions and just very tricky concealing construction. That sounds right. Yeah. I like them, actually. Uh, yeah, they five editions really cool. is actually kind of what we're going to now because we're playing from the Pathfinder rule set, so we're based on 3.5. With minor changes. Right. Yeah. So that's more in line with, like, the type of gnome that Lewin plays. Correct. An idiot. Uh, Their racial traits, they get a plus two to constitution, a negative two to strength. Mm -hmm. They have now, I think it was actually starting third edition, but they've gotten rid of the lower AC is better. Thank God. So they gain a plus one for a size bonus to their AC, a plus one to attack rolls. And a plus four to hide checks. Hide checks are basically (laughs) stealth checks for this edition. Oh, no. I was talking about the size bonus on attacks. 
Not that I ever make attacks. <laughs> hold on, Luna's got to check her notes hold real quick. On, hold on, let me fix my character sheet real quick, guys. The first time I was ever actually able to find any base mention of, like, movement speed mm-hmm. is now. Okay. They have a base speed of 20 feet. Yeah, they do. They got short little legs. Itty bitty. The vision has also changed. It's now just straight to the dark vision, low light vision, and normal. They have low light vision. Uh, but they can also still distinguish color and detail under low light, whereas a lot of people will only see shapes, shapes, faint colors. Yeah. yeah. They can actually see the full like color spectrum in low light. So like their low light vision is kind of like r- regular, like human in real life. Right. Normal vision. Pretty much. Um, they're still illusion-based in a sense. Mm-hmm. And by that, they have a plus two to their bonus saving throws against illusions. So it's harder to trick a gnome with illusions. They already know all this shit. Like, yeah. you fool. Because, I mean, they're a lot of times... <laughs> I can do better than you! Exactly. Yeah. Like, um, They actually add a plus one to their difficulty check of illusion spells. Mm-hmm. They add a bonus of one to attack rolls against kobolds and goblinoids. This is very different as well, because this actually includes goblins, hobgoblins, and bugbears. Bugbears, really? Bugbears are considered goblinoids. Don't they also have a bonus against reptilians in general? Um, I believe I read that somewhere, which is probably not necessarily to say actual reptile animals, but other maybe, like, reptilian I type. don't have that written down, but it's possible. Okay. And it could be also a different edition. It could be a different edition or, like, a different rule set, maybe. Because like, that's like Pathfinder, I believe. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I didn't actually cover gnomes in Pathfinder. Right. Because Oddly enough, I didn't think about it. I mean, this is mostly D&D anyways. Yeah. Yeah, but, I, I mean, I was just wondering if that might also be included in there. Uh, that is actually not a thing that's included. They do gain a plus four dodge bonus against giant monsters. They actually explained a little bit more to this. At this point, because we've gone through several editions, they've explained it as the reason they undergo special training that teaches them tricks that were learned by their ancestors that allow them to dodge more accurately out of the way of bigger attacks. So now we get to the point to where we've gone through so many additions that now these gnomes are taking tricks from their ancestors of previous editions to learn how to dodge out of the way. Oh, that's that's very that's neat. I like. So that. they did so still meta. tie it in. Oh, I love the meta. Um, they have a plus two to listen checks, perception checks, eavesdropping, eavesdropping, whatnot, because gnomes have very keen ears. Uh, they have a bonus to craft alchemy checks. Makes uh, sense. Plus two bonus. Here's the reason why, which is kind of strange to me. It's because their nose is so sensitive that they can monitor, monitor the alchemical process by smell alone. That's adorable. <laughs> I did. I never realized that gnomes had such a keen olfactory. I didn't That's either, amazing. but they do. Um, they do have the ability to cast speak with animals once per day. This can only be used to talk to burrowing mammals, and it lasts for one minute. Uh, if they have a charisma score of at least 10, they can also cast Dancing Lights, Ghost Sounds, and Prestidigitation once per day. Nice! And now we have favorite class of the Bard. This is where they've changed from illusionists to Bards as a favorite class. Right. That's about it for 
that's 3.5. Fourth edition is where things change drastically for the gnomes, as far as their background goes. This is where it gets weird. They're, they were not initially released in the first player's handbook. That's different. There are three player's handbooks that were written for fourth edition. The first one, gnomes were not included in it. That's not cool. It was released in 2008, and they were excluded purposely. They were written out of it as player characters, basically because they were meant, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, as world-expanding rather than a world-defining race. Mm. So they waited for a year to release the second player's handbook and said, okay, now we have gnomes, and this is where Goliaths were mentioned for the Ah. first time as player character races. They basically use them as expanding Mm -mm. rather than defining. Mm -mm, That's not cool. (laughs) I don't like that. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't. I wasn't a fan of it either. But see, they were changed from the funny humorous type to where they were slaves of. And all I saw this was the Fomorian tyrant in the Feydark. So now gnomes are from the Feywilds. Yeah. Yeah. Fey ancestry. They have Fey ancestry. And they are, they were slaves in the Feydark. That does make me wonder about the, um, the story behind that. Yeah. Yeah, I need to look into that a little bit further and... That's another episode. Another episode. But, so suddenly they went from the funny, joking, humorous to they were slaves that managed to escape the slavery, and now they hide underground. Just a... To be out of sight. A historically oppressed and subjugated people. I feel like they had the the anti Travis working on the stuff for fourth edition, and that person yeah. just really hated gnomes. Aw, I agree, and I'm not a fan of this. Whoever the anti Travis is, they need to not. And this is a sad time for the gnomes. Now Aww. they do still like to play pranks on each other. That's that's good, but they stay underground for the most part, as because they live in the Feywilds now. They don't live in the normal. The normal, the like, mid- primaterial prim- material plane. They live mm-hmm. in the Feywilds. They make their homes and everything under, like, large root systems of trees. And now they hide. Uh, their weight has increased to an average of 50 to 75 pounds. And their height has increased a little bit from 3'4 to about 3'8. So they don't quite get up to the four-foot mark. <laughs> They're so small. So little. Uh, their ears have now changed to be more pointy-like, like an elf. Okay, yeah, yeah. I've I've seen that artistically represented. Um, yeah, they it's... don't grow them great, like fluffy beards, like other editions. They now like some of the males will have like small tufts of hair. Yeah, they get like a little bit of facial hair, but not little fuzz. But not like they full. lack body hair virtually anywhere else past that. Right. They still live to be well over 300. Mm-hmm. 300 to probably five, 600 like before. Uh, their ability scores, as you can imagine, are different. They gain a plus two to intelligence and a plus two to stealth because they have to now be smart and sneaky to avoid slavery, I guess. Yeah, the uh, subjugation of an entire people. Their speed is mentioned as five squares, which in normal play would be about 25 feet. Okay. Yeah. They have low light vision. Uh, they gain a plus two to arcane and stealth skills. Arcane because Feywilds. Yeah. Stealth because tiny. Stealth because tiny. Um, they are considered as Fey creatures for any effect that would relate to like a creature origin. Okay. So any effect that like affects creature origin 
of like saying it would affect them because in whatever of that. way it does. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they have the ability to use the cantrip ghost sound once per encounter. That's different. As a minor action. So every encounter they can use ghost sound to try to distract or what have you. Intimidate. Intimidate. Mm-hmm. They gain a racial bonus to saving throws against illusion of plus five. So nice. a pretty major one now. Uh, they have a racial power that's called fade away. As an immediate reaction to taking damage, they may go invisible until they attack or until the end of their next turn. Huh. Wow. That's really cool. So, oh shit, I took damage. Poof. Vanish. That. You would have a lot of fun with that. I would. Yeah. They favor bard, sorcerer, wizard, and warlock classes. Yeah. Yeah, that makes Magically sense. Inclined. That, that's, yeah. And now we get into what everyone is more familiar with these days, which is the 5th edition. Yeah, that's where a lot of newer people came in. Yeah. So they're back to their happy, life-enjoying, humorous selves. They're no oh, longer like slaves. They're back to being the proud inventors of good humor. I do love some happy gnomes. Their hair is generally, like, wild and crazy. Pink. (laughs) Uh, Their beards are now able, they, like, grow the beards out. They keep them well-trimmed and put them in, like, those weird, like, crazy... Like, fancy designs. Fancy designs. They they have a lot of fun, basically. Right. They live to be up to 500. They do still prefer to be in wooded, hilly areas, but... They can live wherever. They can live wherever. The only ability score difference they have is a plus two in intelligence. Uh, they are between three to four feet tall with a walking speed of 25 feet. So we stayed roughly the same. Right. Their adulthood is about 40 now, no longer like 100 from like the first edition. Which makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they still have dark vision, but they cannot discern any colors in dark vision. Now it's just to the gray and black spectrum. Yeah. Spectrum. They have gnome cunning which gives them advantage on all intelligence, wisdom, and charisma-based saving throws. There are four sub-races that exist for 5e. They have the Deep, the Forest, the Rock, and the Mark of Scribing. Huh. One of these things is not like the other. Right, One of these so, things just doesn't belong. They belong. All gnomes. All gnomes belong. I'm sorry, that was mean. I just went with the song. Wanted a song. Yeah, I liked it, though. The Deep, Forest, and Rock are still roughly the same. I'm not going to spend too much time on there. Except for uh, deep gnomes now weigh about 80 to 120 pounds. They're stockier. They're stockier, yeah. They're thick. And they're thick. Uh, So the mark of scribing gnomes is basically a mark that is, or a gnome that is born bearing the mark of a scribe. And this actually allows them to feel words as if they were living creatures. Wow. Their charisma increases by one. They gain proficiency in calligrapher supplies and forgery kits. When they make a check with either of these tools, they can roll an intuition dice, which is a D4. Right. And add it to their total. They can cast comprehend language once per long rest. They can use the cantrip message. Whenever. Infinitely, pretty much. And they can choose one extra language when they are created. That's... Really cool. I had no idea about the mark of scribing subrace until I went to D&D Beyond yesterday. Wow. Uh, also not a sponsor, though I wish. <laughs> what does uh, the mark of scribing come from? Like what? The only thing that I really saw, and I didn't read too much into it because I was realizing that I had way too much information <laughs> for an hour long episode. TMI. But basically, I think it's just a gnome that is just born with it. So right. born with this mark and then... 
So they could potentially be a member of, like, any other type of gnome society. Right. They just also have this additional feature. You have this one additional feature. That's pretty cool. So it's pretty interesting. I mean, the history of the gnomes is very different, as you could imagine, through every edition. Right. As the rules changed, they changed. History changes. History changes. They took a dark turn in 4th edition where they became slaves. Was 4th edition... I don't know that much about 4th edition. Was 4th edition just the dark, gritty reboot? The edgy? Or was it just... they? From my understanding, kind of, and not a lot of people liked 4th edition. It was probably one of the most hated editions that they had. I I have heard complaints in general about, like, some balancing issues in 4th edition... And also the fact that some people have said that when you get to certain skill levels, it doesn't feel like different classes do anything different. Mm. Like you just get to a certain point where there's like one play style. And I mean, I don't know for sure because I don't know that much about 4th edition. I've never played 4th edition, but I've basically heard people complain to that too. Yeah, I don't know much about it either. I have heard people at work that have been playing it for a while have complained that 4th edition is like the worst edition that they ever made. I don't know, though, because I never played it. I've played 3.5 and 5e. Based yeah. on the way it treats gnomes, it's probably the worst edition, though. Yeah, yeah like, that right nice. there is enough to get me to say no. Yeah, so, but that's because you love gnomes. I love gnomes. Gnomes are great. They are. But that's about all that I have, and probably a good thing because this episode is running a little long. That's, that's a lie, though. That's not all that you have. That's not but, all that you have. That's all that you're... That's all that you're allowed to that have is, right now. Yeah, that yeah. is all that I'm allowed to have because these other two co-hosts of mine. So you're you're getting ooh, you've been downgraded co-host. Oh wow! No, I'm just kidding. No, uh, sir, you're you're being cut off. I am you being can't cut have off anymore. I am being no cut more, off. I understand. No more gnomes. We can't have episodes go too long. Don't worry, I get it. But that's uh, that's what I've been allowed to go through, and I'm still happy with it because I love gnomes anyway. And you know that you'll be able to revisit this? Oh, yeah. Gnomes will be revisited later on. Gnomes. Don't worry. Continued. <laughs> it, it is coming later. Maybe the next time Travis does research. Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe yeah, not. I we'll might see. choose to do something different. We'll see. We'll see. Um, if any of you listeners have any suggestions for things you might want us to cover... Or, you know, questions you have, um, you can email us at dungeonpedia.podcast at gmail.com. Or you can reach out to us on Twitter uh, at Dungeonpedia. Um, you can also use that to follow us, please. Um, spread the word and tell your friends. Retweet likes, all that fun stuff. Just help us get the word out. We're so excited about this. We just want to try and make it as good as we can get it. And thank you so much for listening. I cannot tell you how much we appreciate it. And with that, we will close this episode of My Gnomes. And potentially reopen it later. And potentially reopen it later. So thank you all so much for listening. And we will catch you all next week with a brand new topic that Lewin has to figure out in the next week. (laughs) I was supposed to be thinking about that. But um, we'll catch you next week on Dungeonpedia. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.